Good afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> so this question, so. so this is the first question. Selfing love versus being love. It's a rigged fight. <laughs> no, uh, selfing love obviously usually turns into possession, yes? When selfing is loving someone, it tries to claim it, usually. Own it. Privatize it. Yeah? Being love is holding the space. Yeah? Being conscious of the moment, I would say, as that moment, that to me is love. It's holding that space. So that person can be everything they're not and everything they are. Yeah? Selfing love is that other thing where I find it usually starts demanding things in selfing love. And it's obviously what you would call conditional love. If you do what I want you to do, then I love you. If you don't, I won't. <laughs> so I think there are, I don't know if, uh, again, it's sort of like in the book where it says you'll have a new attitude and a new outlook, uh, a new freedom and a new happiness. And I think you'll even hold a, uh, love in a new light also. Yeah. You may be used to love being a relationship or this and that, and then you may start having experiences or, or uh, like a sense of it being different. Yeah? For me, it's more of that just being aware of that awareness, and then in that, that makes me present, and that makes me available, and I think that's what love really is, is availability. Yeah? I wanted to talk one second about that service thing. Someone asked me last night about doing service, and I went over it the other night, my own experience with it. But when you're coming into this program, service, I think, is, you know, it's service, unity, recovery. Service is an incredible aspect because it gives you a free sample of getting out of selfing, yeah? When you do service, it has almost, it's like a soup mix. It, if you put it on, a, on the heat, it's going to make soup. Yeah? To me, doing service in AA will usually bring about a sense of being, that feeling we call being out of self. Yeah? And what I, I looked at that because I, did, I had the opportunity to do a lot of service in San Francisco for a while. And I really believe in a sense that that service, the first feeling of being bigger or more open is like a sense of availability, which obviously indicates you weren't available. And most of the time when you're obsessed with self, you're unavailable. You're not really here. So when I help someone else, I get a sense, people describe it a lot like I feel bigger or lighter. To me, that's feeling available, yeah? And I also noticed when I feel available, I sense a presence, very used together, connected, yeah? My availability is almost like a requirement for the sense of presence. I'm available to sense that presence. And I had many times where I would be coming out of a mental state, some aspect of selfing, and I would have service to do. And I would experience that feeling of like, after maybe 10 minutes, a sense of getting light again. I would start becoming available to the people in the room. And in that availability, I sensed the presence. So after a lot of times, going to that little pra that pattern of, all right, I'm in whatever, the the head, 
and I have a commitment to do that night. I do the service. I start feeling available, maybe immediately or in a few minutes, and then I'm feeling a presence. One of the times, or actually a number of times, when I started feeling that presence, because I had heard this invitation of not being a self, I sensed that maybe, I entertained, maybe I'm that presence I'm feeling now, yeah? Maybe what I was actually, I had the pattern, I had the journey the wrong direction. I thought I was coming out of me and then feeling a little relief from me and then sensing a presence of something else called God, but maybe this feeling of being me was presence forgetting its availability and getting sucked up in the idea of being a self. That's how I switched it around. And so I started entertaining on the presence. So when those events would occur, there would be a bell that would go off and say, maybe I'm this, you know, maybe this feeling I'm having isn't a feeling I'm having. Maybe it's a state out of self. Yeah. And so then after a while, I realized that my mind entertained the possibility that I'm presence that, and then it makes me always available. Even if I think I am or not, it doesn't matter what my head's saying, yeah? You're not available today, I'm available. I'm here, yeah? <laughs> that's the reason why I'm available. So I'm available, and if I'm available, that's the presence, yeah? So I'm the presence, I'm available, and then I'm of service. Yeah? So my view now isn't, I like doing you know, formal, quote-unquote, service, but I feel of service most of the time, yes? Why? Because I'm available and I'm that presence. What better thing to do for someone is hold them the space. That's the exquisite experience of a, when you hear a fifth step, in a sense. You totally disregard you and you hold the space for them, whoever they are, to be whatever they thought they were and whatever they think they're not for maybe an hour, four hours, five hours. And it's an incredible service to allow a person to feel safe and to let all that out, which they don't even feel safe in their own head with, yeah? That to me is presence and availability. That to me is service, and it can be an attitude which you walk through life in, yeah? So that you have, <laughs> see? But see, that's, the, that's like the process of taking an antidote. When you're up the ass of self, so far up, the only thing that will bring you out is service at times. So you come out, and then you feel available, and it doesn't stink as much, and then you sense something. And then usually, you're now, you, how it happens really, really this is the truth. This is a thing to watch if you're gonna watch your mind. Let's say you feel available, and then you sense the presence. It will always be interpreted by your, the thing that's talking in your head as I'm feeling presence. I'm feeling presence. That's not what's happening. There's just presence, which is conscious, so there's a sense of it, yeah? But the head will always go, I'm doing it. I did the service. I, I feel available now. I feel this. And then it says, I'm the one that doesn't feel available. That's the selfing. So whatever happens, it claims. And by claiming it, it can sort of neuter it. To me, the message of service is to get sense that you are the presence. So a lot of times when you do service as you, that's neutered. You don't get that sense. You just feel like, oh, I had this incredible spiritual feeling when I worked with this newcomer. It's again claimed by selfing, yeah, you see? You see how what happens in your life, the mental process called selfing claims it. That's how it, 
you know, let's say you do something and you expect to get something, but as soon as you do something and then the mind claims it, you get its product. You don't get what was really on offer. It gets bastardized because of who thinks it's getting it, yeah? You see what I mean? Let's say I do something, let's say meditation, all right? Everything sounds like a great thing. If I could really sit and meditate and for a half hour, I'd probably make my mind very peaceful. Sounds really good, yes? A lot of people have a lot, a lot of feeling about meditation. But let's say you think you're doing the meditation. So when you do the meditation, what you take from that may not be what really could have been on offer. Because you make it, let's say it's like you get the, you get the uh, cornflakes and you make it into Raisin Bran, you know, another cereal. You just, what happened? <laughs> I thought I was doing this really nice thing. Now I'm beating myself up with it by not meditating the next day. You know, oh, I missed my meditation. Yeah, you see? So the claiming of it, so there it is, service, availability, presence. Then the claiming of it causes you to go up the asses, the self-ass, and then there's a need to you to do service again so you can get the sense of presence. Then you go back up the self's ass by claiming the presence. Oh, I had this incredible feeling today. You didn't have the feeling. Actually, the feeling had you in a sense, yeah? So one time, just one it takes, starts breaking that chain. When you sense that feeling of availability and open, maybe that's more you than ever, than any thought you've ever had about you. Maybe that's a bigger demonstration of what you are than all the yapping going on in one's head. Could be. For me, it was. I entertained it, and I lost interest in the selfing. And I lost interest living up the self's ass. Yeah. Dark up there. No. There's a lot of traffic. A lot of shit's coming through. <laughs> so I'll go on to the next question. I hope that answered the versus thing, eh? At least that's my answer. I can't. All right. Please explain faith without works is dead. All right. So for me, that's a big statement in AA because in a sense, faith, is that for me? Faith without works, it's sort of like people can have a great program in their living room, yeah? They can be running a great program in their own living room. They're not going to meetings anymore. They're not helping anyone, anything like that. So they have a great you know, program in their living room. But in a sense, it's dead in a way, yeah? Because it's not being of use to others. So the faith, that, that assurance of being the presence is fine and dandy, but it's really nice as when it's demonstrated with others, yeah? So for me, faith without works is just that. So if something occurs to you, let's say like for me in this, I'm in AA and I got a chance to start doing talks 19 years ago. And for some reason, I don't know how it was placed in this little action figure, I'm compelled to want to be of help to people who suffer from alcoholism and addiction. Just have a real big, a real big connection with that because I felt like I was in that hell and something take, took me out of it. And why wouldn't I want to tell anyone I see who's in hell where the bus stops, you know? Hey, there's a bus called, just see the AA, get on it, and you'll get out of hell, you know? <laughs> it just seems natural. So I have that, that strong urge. So this faith, with, that faith, yes, with the works of doing the workshop, lend, landed me in Sweden, actually. 
Yeah? Because only reason I've been willing to show up. That to me is the faith in the works. I'm being willing, when someone asks me to do something, I usually say yes. And then I see what happens when I get here. Yeah? So I like uh, the faith without works is, is dead because I think in this whole program, it's a we program. And we're meant to, to again, that aspect of service is very important. Our main priority here is to help the alcoholic who suffers to achieve sobriety. It's not for me to have a great time. It's for other people to have at least a halfway decent time if possible. Yeah? So I hope that worked with that. How to speed up elimination, a frame of violence and deprivation, if in a sense of gratitude... Wait a minute, i got to go... Hold on. Shake that one out of there. How to speed up eliminating a frame, a mental state of violence and deprivation. Sounds juicy, eh? Deprivation. If a sense of gratitude does not neutralize it. How to speed up eliminating. For me, this, everything, how everything was sped up when I realized, entertained it wasn't me. I'm not the one who's violent. Violence comes out of me when I'm taken over by, let's say, the parasite of alcoholism. When that is subdued, I'm not violent at all. So I don't claim anything that's moving through me, and I feel that gives a lot of things the room to change. Because once you claim something, let's say if you believe you're violent, your mind has an investment in that. You're selfing because it gets an identity out of that. And it wants an identity more than anything. It wants to be someone. And if it's a, someone who's violent, that's fine with it. Yeah? So you have to see the violence is being used by your head to make up an idea of being a violent person. That's why it can be seemingly immune to change because you don't want to change. The mind that you're identified as you does not want to change. It will sing the great song of, I'm really wanting to change. When push comes to shove, it does not want to lose that violence because it reflects its identity. Yeah? People get proud of defects of character. It's a sense of identification. So I find the greatest way for a defect of character to be let to be left open to change is to stop calling it my defect of character. The my, I don't know, I hope there's a, it's getting through in English. My is a very important word for me because it, it implies the act of identifying, yes? As the act of identifying is the bonding, not the thing itself. Yeah. Because you can be bound to piousness just as much as violence and will still create a bondage to self. You could be a saint and be totally fucked up. Have you ever seen people who try to be saints as, as selves? They usually act out perversely. Yeah? The pressure's too much. They flip out. They have sex with someone they're not supposed to have sex or, or they're totally hypocrites. Yeah? They'll get up on a... There was the greatest one. I hope you don't mind this because this is, this is politics of America. This was one of the greatest ones I ever saw of a hypocrite. There was a man who, who ran a mega church, like a Christian fundamental. He had a huge following in this city called Colorado Springs. And he, was a, he worked with George Bush when he was the president. And he was the head of the vanguard against uh, homosexuals marrying. Yes? 
He was the spokesperson for the whole, for George Bush and the whole thing and this mega church against homosexual contact, yeah? Very big, I mean, out, he called up George Bush every week, the president, and then they found out that he was having sex with a male escort for two years and snorting speed. <laughs> Here's this guy standing there as if he was somebody when his behavior was totally freaking different. That's what happens when the self takes a position of righteousness. It's usually acting out very unrighteously somewhere else. See it. When someone's trying to be a saint, they're like, they're going to blow. They're, they're probably on porno in the computer at night or something. They're freaking crazy. Selfing, it's just insane. It's a sickness, that thing you said. This isn't about being a saint in AA. It's about progress, not perfection. But uh, where did I go with that anyway? Why did I say that? I don't know. That's it. That's the answer of that one, eh? See, if, let's say, like even a circuit speaker in, in, in AA, if they start thinking they're the circuit speaker, check them out. See what happens. They may go out and drink again. You don't know. There's a pressure. Once you claim your position, a pressure comes along with it in selfing, and it usually creates uh, weird shit. The humility is, a, is what allows you to do what, what's is, is what allows you to hold the space. If you think you're the one who's holding the space, that ain't holding the space, yeah? That's the trickiness of it. Because the mind, whatever it comes in contact with, will identify with and claim. So if you seem to be saintly and it turns into I'm a saint, you're fucked, I feel. Well, someone will be fucked, maybe not you. <laughs> someone who shouldn't have been fucked. But that's my opinion. So here we go. Isn't society created in a way which forces us to constantly live in the future, planning and soon? I mean, is it possible to never go to the what's not happening and still be a part of society? Yeah, of course. You can plan for the future. That's what's happening now. All the thinking about it, what it's going to mean and this and that and that and this, is not planning. That's obsessing, yes? Planning, yeah, here we're in seemingly in time, you plan for the future. I've got a plan to get to the airport on Tuesday where I'm flying somewhere or I wouldn't get there. And it's been very difficult negotiations to get there, yeah? So there's planning, but there's a recognition that the planning is now. Everything is now, yeah? Everything is now. And the planning that you're planning for in the future, when you arrive there, will be now. Yeah, but just not now, <laughs> yeah? That's the point. Why would you want to spend all your attention into what's not happening? What do you get back from it? All you get back is more thoughts, yeah? I'd rather have my attention and interest free from thought and be present here because I sense a presence that rings out, rings like home, yeah? So uh, yeah, there's pressure, I guess, in society, but because of the way it is, they want us to do something to get somewhere. That's the modality that's offered here, yes? But 
all the while there's that doing and having, it's still each moment is now. Yes, you can be aware of the present while planning for the future. So is this, if this is a difference between love and loving, here's love and loving again, all right. Is there a difference between love and loving? The spirit seeing it, from a spirit seeing it. Well, to me, loving is the verb of love, yes? So loving is a state, love is a state, and, it, and then it expresses itself here called loving, that's its verb, yeah? So love is a state that one can entertain, and when it's entertaining and being shared with another, you would call it loving, Someone give me a smile. Let me feel like I said something. Yes, all right. <laughs> oh, many people in AA says the, say the process in the program is about achieving a better uh, I may have to have someone can you sit, tell me what this says? Because a better I don't get the thing. A better this one. Can you Oh, a better self-esteem. If there is no me, how do you get to know yourself better? <laughs> really, the only way you can know yourself is not as a me. As a me, you're not knowing yourself. You're knowing self, but not yourself. Yeah? That's my humble, that's how I see it. See, what happens in a lot of ways, you start to know yourself, but doesn't it translate into what, that statement of called self-knowledge will avail you nothing? So you, you're busy trying to learn about yourself, yeah? maybe with the hopes that it will get better, but you don't see the trap, and I think a, Bill W. did, and he says, says self-knowledge will avail you nothing. So again, what we were talking about the mind and selfing, its, mo its main movement is claiming, yes? So let's say you're sitting there at a meeting or something, learning about self, and then learning about someone sharing and then applying it to yourself. But if there's a sense of you are the one that's doing that, that to me feels like that definition of self-knowledge avails you nothing, because it doesn't set you free from the bondage of self. It just gives you a lot of information. It's like learning about holes yeah, you're like a professor of holes, but you'll keep finding yourself falling in them. It doesn't really serve you, you know. You can explain it's very dark, it's four by four, but you're in the hole. To me, knowledge of holes only has a value if it keeps me from falling in them, yeah. So really, any knowledge about self only has value when it's applied to self, not held as self, yeah. So I, when someone shares about the idea of self and then I apply it to my head and I see, wow, that's self, yeah? If that, clear, if that clarity is there, that's knowledge. If I see it and I go, oh, that's self, as a self, that's self-knowledge, yeah? That's, the same knowledge will avail me nothing, nothing if I see it from self than if I don't see it from self. If I don't see it from self, it's very valuable because I, I can now recognize something I wasn't recognizing about selfing. But if the selfing claims it, I just know a whole lot about self. But it's not translating into freedom, isn't it? A lot of people know a lot about self, but they're unhealed healers in a way. Like you go to a psychiatrist, they're fucked, a lot of them. 
they have tons of information about the mind, but then they're freaking crazy, some of them. They're unhealed healers because it hasn't, it's been claimed by the problem they're discussing. The selfing claimed all the information about selfing. How's that going to serve anyone? That's my take. Service, yes. I think we shared about service a lot, but I will share it. You're serving me right now, and I'm serving you, hopefully. Maybe not well, but I'm serving you. The attempt was there. Serving is just paying attention in a way. There's so many levels of serving, but serving is like when you give someone attention. Yes? And then in and a lot of forms of AA is we do service to hopefully come out, because you know, in a sense, when you're helping someone else, it's actually helping you more. It's like when you take someone through the steps, you actually get more out of it than the person probably. Yeah, because once you, you've been through the steps, but once you take someone through it, you see it in all a new light, because it's not about you at that point, it's about them. And that about them brings a whole different light on the subject. So you get more of an experience of the steps when you're helping someone go through them than usually when you do them yourself. You see, it's funny, isn't it? Because you don't have, at that point, the self-interest is arrested in a way, and you're just being interested in them, and then you see the steps in an uninterested light, not a self-motivated light, and you see it much clearer. That's what happens with service. When you're doing service, you see that moment in time clearer because you're not seeing it from the perch of self-centeredness. Like I saw, there was a man I know that was, he had 20-something years. This was just one little day. I don't know if this will apply, but. And he was talking about, he had met, had a new girlfriend, and the girlfriend and her friends were very rich, and they would drink wine all the time. They looked like they were enjoying themselves greatly. And it was causing him a problem, because he says, Jesus, either I'm, it looks like either I'm going to have to not see them anymore or start drinking, you know? And I said, why? So he had this big, he only could see it that way, either or. So after the meeting, I went up to him. I said, hey, why don't you just do some service and then revisit the topic? Yeah? Go out, help somebody else, and then look at the situation. I'm sure you're going to see a different possibility in it than drink or never see her again. Yeah? The tunnel vision of selfing is very, very tight and small with very little possibility in it. If you get out of yourself, it opens up the lens and more possibilities are seen. You can, you can be totally obsessed with a situation and only see it this way. If you go and help somebody and come back to it, you'll see it in a new light. Yeah. The situation isn't what you think. You're giving it a lot of meaning. Yeah. When that meaning gets sort of uh, like peeled off it, you may see it in a new light, just like that. Especially you. Fuck, when, when you look at you, forget about it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't take any of that evidence as authentic. It's just total bullshit. You, you're just so obsessed with getting better. That's the sickness of selfing. Yeah. I know a lot of people in AA in America, they will not stop the process of recovering. They never enjoy the recovery. They just keep doing more inventories, looking at the tiniest little thing they could have done wrong. I say, give me a fucking break. Go out and have some fun, you know? That's what it is, it's about freedom. It's not about going every minutia, going over it. What did I say, did I say, <laughs> give me a break. Everyone gets dirty here. 
You know, I'm going to step on people's toes. They're going to step on my toe. You can't be perfect. It's meant to sort of free you up so you can, I believe, to enjoy freedom, not to keep... Tr and the word trudging, you know, the word trudging, the road of happy destiny. In America, it's a big statement and a vision for you. And there was, a big, there was a big confusion about it because in the 30s, trudging meant something different than it means now. Trudging meant a focused approach. Now it sounds like a drag in America, trudging. So it says, trudging the road of happy destiny. It sort of sucks in America. <laughs> trudging means like you're really like thick mud and trudging. You know, but it meant really a focused attention in the past. So that's what we're, you know, we're, tr we're actually walking a road of happy destiny. A happy destiny. Your dream's going to get happier as it unfolds. Yeah. And you're meant to sort of enjoy it, not be, did I do anything wrong today? You probably did thousands of things wrong. <laughs> so I don't know. What other, that's it. Service. Service, if you, you know, if you have any dilemma with selfing, it's a damn good thing to do. Because it's a, it's a tried and true method to get out of self. So you'll have an experience of what it feels like to be available and, and a sense of presence. Yeah? Before you go back into the cave of self. Then one day you'll come out in the light and maybe you'll identify as the light instead of what was going in up the ass of self all day. That's what happened with me, in a sense. The emphasis just shifted one day. Just what was in the foreground went to the background. What was basically forgotten all day went to the foreground, yes? A contextual way of living instead of particulars and content all day, thinking of things, that are, you know, a feeling of what it's like to be awake yeah? all day, a sense. It's a different way of traveling. It's available, yeah? So. Does anyone have a question before? Because we're out of questions. These are all blank. No? Can we, you want? Oh, yes. Oh, Jesus, I thought we were done. Hey, bro. No, I never read it. Okay, well, it's an essay that appeared in the grapevine, and we do have a printed copy of it in many places. He constantly talks about relationships and relationships that become dependency demands. And if you notice that when he wrote the 12 traditions, a lot of the 12 traditions had to do with freeing ourselves of relationships that set up, like you said, that love. Where have you been tonight? Or, you know, ownership, attempting to demand of other people certain things and then depend upon them and wrecking ourselves with us. That's why so many AA people do then find Al-Anon as well because they'll get addicted to other addicts, right? Yes. And other people that, you know, they think they can help. Yes. Uh, caretakers. And this is what Bill Wilson is saying, that one of the most essential things in service is not to become one of these you know, caretakers who takes hostages and says, now you will. And a lot of sponsors uh, do, do something.
Well, once again, I would rely on not me doing anything, in a sense. Just seeing it. Seeing it. Not... See, for me, seeing is prior to doing, yes? If you can see something, it may not occur. So when I'm seeing, what would be doing that in a relationship is a form of selfing, yes? It's more prone, I'd be more prone to do that if I was identified as self. If I'm entertaining I'm not that, a lot of its qualities don't uh, distribute in my life, yeah? So I always get to the first point, I'm not that, which would be doing, let's say, that. And in that, then that behavior can change. There's no identification with it, yes? So I see it, if someone pointed out to me and I wasn't identified as it, it would probably be easily changed. If you're identified with that, you're, you're attempting to sort of change something that actually has defined the sense of you. It's much more powerful than you are and you're gonna like take hostages. That's what the selfing does. But I found it always, the way to sort of neuter it and weaken it is not be identified as it. Every case, it's the same principle for me. Yes? Not to be identified with that, because the identification, that's the act of being identified, having to take hostages for some minds, yeah? They take a hostage so that they can feel valuable by saying they've helped all these people. They're trying to accrue value. And so they're really not of service to them. They're being of service to themselves in a selfish way. Yes? It looks like service, but it's not service. Because they've got, just like when someone has a belief they're bad, yes? And they're identified as that. And they're trying to become good by helping others. In a sense, the others will smell that out. They'll realize this person isn't really, he's helping me for himself, but not in that other altruistic manner, but in a selfish manner, because he's trying to get some relief from thinking he's bad, yes? So now he has 15 sponsees, and, and, and he lets people know that he has 15 sponsees, and, and they all come together in one meeting, and, and he sits there and like that. There's something going on there mentally that isn't healthy, yeah? So these things, when seen, see, I'm not here to help you. You know, you know that's my, this is my seat assignment. I'm an inviter. I don't really, on one level, I don't give a shit what you do with it. But I feel you have the right to hear it. And in that, then it can be very freely given. Yeah? It keeps it clean for me. But the whole thing, it always roots up back to the sense of being a self. Yeah? A self has, self represents a lot of things about your mind you're not maybe aware of, like unconscious stuff, that, and that would create up the the situation of taking hostage. Self is like a catacomb of a lot of old ideas and beliefs. So let's say something's happening. I have a spon I get sponsees. Let's just say that. Sponsees. And my mind sees it and says, I'm the one who has sponsees, Paul. Paul represents a lot of old ideas and conditionings and meanings, yes? So here's the relationship with the sponsees. And I'm the sponsor, and there's sponsoring seemingly going on. But I think I'm the sponsor, Paul. Paul represents a lot of old ideas that now gets come up, and they play out in this relationship with the sponsees. And I may not be aware of them, like the incredible need to have approval. So I have to have a lot of sponsees 
to get this reflection that I'm valuable because I have a belief that I'm not valuable. So all this selfing shit's happening under the pretense of service, yeah? And the service will override most of it because the importance of the person hearing the message was more important than the one who seems to be giving it, yes? But at times, it can get sick because you don't know when you claim something what is being brought forth when you say, it's sort of like an old black magic thing when you call the name of Satan, you know, all these powers show up. When you say, oh, I am the one who sponsor, a lot of shit comes up. And it gets injected into that relationship. And you may not be aware of it, yeah? You may be codependent, you may be this, you may be that, as in the selfing. That's why we, this is a we program, because not all of us are insane at the same day, yeah? So you can run it by, someone wrote a thing, do I have a sponsor? My sponsor's very ill but I use a woman at my house to sponsor me mostly when I need to. But I took this man, Robert Spear, in San Francisco because he just did tons of service. He was a total sweetheart. He, just, he had lived his life, he had his family, he was old, retired, and all he did was service, yeah? It was beautiful, I mean, it made me cry a lot. But. So this thing about Bill W. is trying to point out something that can be a, a pitfall and it's all, for me, rooted in the identification as self. Yeah? Because self has agendas you're not aware of. Yeah? In other words, you may be looking like I'm doing something with somebody, and it looks like that's what's happening, but in the mind, there's a lot of other shit happening. Yes? Like, you see, in, in, you know, I have a, a lot of opinions about our fellowship. But, you know, most of the, in the beginning, a lot of the fellowship is fear-motivated, yes? If you go out, you'll die, and like this. So fear is a big motivator. Like an old priest in the beginning of AA said, most people's experience of the program is a moving away from hell, not a moving towards heaven. So the moving away from hell is fear motivated. I don't want to ever go back into that life again. It has its purpose, and it has a, it has a propulsion, and it can get you going. But I don't like it as a constant way of the program. I don't want to live a fear-based program, yeah? So what happens when the flames of hell cool off? There's got to be an attraction to the moving towards heaven. Yes? But you need to have some idea of maybe what's available so that your mind can entertain it. If it just loops back into fear, you'll be in this fear thing. And then you hit five or eight, ten years, and you'll feel some kind of a discontentment, as if there's something missing in AA. I, I see that a lot with people who get some time. They start having a feeling is this all there is? And it's, it's not the fault of the program, it's really the fellowship. Because enough is not being entertained, the possibilities of what we've been offered. Yeah? So, I'm attempting just to throw my little invitation in with the hopes that we can take this thing a little farther so that we can get established in a state of peace. And that, to me, is truly attractive to others. And then no promotion at all. People will want what you have, you know? When you see people 20 years, sometimes they have, a, they have too many years and not enough days. It's not attractive. I don't want what they have. I don't want to go to a meeting and hear a guy who's got 30 years sobriety bitching and, and talking about how afraid he is about, you know, uh, going on the next trip he's on. You know, give me a break. Let's move on <laughs> to me. That's not attractive. I want something substantial, radical in a sense. And I think AA has the ability to offer it. 
Thank you. That's it, right? Hey, thank you very much for having me.